At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All we can be sure of is this. Zach Berry and Grayson Weir are hashtag not Not committed. committed. I love a good train wreck. Hey, hey, what up? This is Not Committed. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me momentarily, Grayson Weir, for episode two here on the Talk of Champions Network as part of OM Spirit, part of the On3 Network, On3.com. Grayson, it has been a hectic 48 hours since the last time we spoke. We are going to get in everything Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg. And then in the second segment, we are going to answer some questions from the mailbag that is on omspirit.com, part of Barry's Bar Chat this Thursday evening, the 27th of January. We are recording at 7.49 p.m. local time. That is central in case there is anything that happens that will make this obsolete by the time you listen to it Friday morning. The long-winded intro before I even let you speak. Grayson, welcome in. What is going on, Zach, and everybody listening? Thank you for joining us for episode two. Before we jump in, I just wanted to let everyone know that we're you know, excited to have you guys. If you ever have any questions, concerns, et cetera, always feel to reach out. You can find Zach on Twitter at Zach underscore Barry, and you can find myself at GSunJW. We had a lot of good feedback about the first episode, and we're super stoked to have you guys on board. So looking forward to what's coming of it. And like Zach said, you know, we thought the first 15 days was exhausting. The last 48 hours have been bananas. So thanks for joining in. And, you know, hopefully by the time uh, you guys are done listening to this sometime in the next 24, 48, 36 hours, you know, we might have a resolution as to the, the Jackson Dart saga and, and, and what's going on with Michael Trigg as well. So real quick, just to catch everyone up as uh, news has been flowing all day today. Things are moving quickly, as they say, Grayson. Um, Ben Garrett at OM Spirit reported earlier today that uh, there had been some movement in regards to Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg. I reported pretty much right after him. uh, We were both on the same page there um, that there's been a considerable amount of positive momentum in regards to both of the USC transfers. I also spoke with someone that works in higher education. Um, there were some concerns about, okay, so if they commit, like how, how quickly can they be enrolled? Like, are they going to be able to do it before Monday to be eligible? Yes. Um, and, and that those things could have been in jest or it could have been very facetious, but 
look, it's just a matter of hitting an okay button in an admissions portal. It'll be quick. Um, and <laughs> look, they're, they're both high level student athletes. Um, they will find a way to have them admitted and enrolled by Monday. Um, so I think we both expect it to happen. Um, I know that you've talked to some people on the left coast today. I've done the same. We've talked to Oxford sources as well. People are feeling better and better as, uh, you know, I guess each passing minute. So it, it basically to, to quote, uh, Ben Garrett here, the bottom line is everything is trending towards both players enrolling at Ole Miss on Monday. Um, you know, nothing is done in recruiting until it's done as everyone knows. Um, but we've reported it over and over for the past couple of weeks. Um, I felt comfortable enough on the 16th of January to uh, put in predictions from what I was hearing from folks. And then, you know, the, uh, the days after that, I guess the um, 11 days after that has been kind of a whirlwind and it's been up in the air, but um, all of our sources have held firm. Everything has been positive. Everything has stayed status quo. So, um, but yeah, let's, Let's get into it here, and and this is we are operating under the assumption that this is this is going to be done. Um, they will be enrolled in a classroom physically on Monday. Uh, so I want to do a, a thought exercise here. I mentioned it to you before we started, um, but I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, I, I had spoken with someone about this before, and uh, at first I was kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't really know, like maybe. Um, but I'm curious to get your thoughts here. Um, how does this 2022 class stack up against, in my opinion, the two best classes that Ole Miss has ever had? That was 2013 and 2016. The 2013 class nationally ranked per on threes rankings was 11th in the country, 43% blue chip rating. Um, you had five stars uh, on three. Uh, consensus plus five stars, Robert Kimdichie, Laramie Tunsil. That's the number one overall player, the number three overall player. They had five-star Laquan Treadwell, who was 20th, five-star Tony Connor, 28th, Austin Golson, Nick Brazel, Kalo Moore, Jordan Wilkins, Ryan Buchanan, Devontae Kincaid were the other four stars in that class. Sixth in the SEC that year, which it's just incredibly bonkers that that type of talent is sixth in the SEC. Um, 2016, fifth ranked class in the country, 69% blue chip rating. Pretty nice. Uh, one on three consensus plus five star Greg Little, the number three overall player in the country that year. Five star Shea Patterson, five star Benito Jones. And then you had a deep core of four stars AJ Brown, Deontay Anderson, DK Metcalf, Octavius Cooley, Charles Wiley, Devon Penniman, Jalen Jones, Trey Nixon, Bryce Matthews, Justin Connor, Gabe Angel, Jacob Mathis, Eli Johnson. Round out the core um, for that class. All right. So we go to 2022. Right now, 19th in the country. Um, looking at four-star Davison Igbenosin, four-star Jarrell Stenson, four-star Xavier Harris, four-star Jaron Willis, Four-star Taylor Groves, four-star Jeremiah Dillon, four-star Bryson Hurst, four-star Nick Cole. And then we talk about the transfers. You've got five-star Zach Evans, four-star Ladarius Tennyson, four-star Jeremiah Pegues, and then um, you potentially throw in, I anticipate them being added into the fold, 
four-star Jackson Dart, and four-star Michael Trigg. So, Grayson Weir, I throw it to you now. A lot was just tossed at you. Hope you caught it all. Thoughts on comparing? Now, I know the portal is different. The portal adds another element because the portal is not a thing in 2013 or 2016. Comparing these classes in terms of depth, pieces, fits, caliber of talent, you know, headliners, what do you think? So I've been thinking a lot about this, and now this comes as someone who I've been following Ole Miss for, you know, years and years and years now. But I enrolled at the University of Mississippi on August, like, 24th. 2014. So the first recruiting class that I like really dove into and really was excited about and really was committed to as my school, my university, the place that I was going to be educated was 2013. So I lived that class as a high schooler going to Ole Miss. 2016 class, I lived working within journalism at Ole Miss. And then now 2022, I'm on a whole different perspective now as an alumni and alumnus, I should say, and looking at it differently. And I think all three classes are, are very different in nature because 2013, I don't know how you top that class from a numbers and a talent standpoint. And I say that being when you look at that class from top to bottom on paper, it is the best class of the three. It just is. When you look at it on paper, Kamdichi, Tunsil, Treadwell, boom, one, two, three. That kind of seals it right there. But then when you look at it kind of – I'll also, real quick, not to cut you off, but just to, to throw in because I'm sure you're going to get to it about 2016, the hit rate on that class is, is a huge factor because all of the top-tier players in that class, with the exception of one, two – Three didn't really pan out. Um, if you're at Ole Miss saying, I bet you probably think that Caleb Moore panned out because he recovered the fumble in the 2014 Alabama game. But <laughs> he, you know, four star, he, he didn't really play a ton. But anyway, carry on. I was just wanting to mention that we're we're putting that into consideration here too. No, that that's my point exactly. So so if you take it at three different classes here, the 2013 class was the most talented class when it was signed on paper and it will be very hard to top at any point in time. Now we now know how much money was pumped into that class and how much it cost all the good folk at home, but it worked. And so that was the best class on national signing day. But then to get into your point from a hit rate standpoint, 2016 is the best hit rate class. I mean, even including people like Shea Patterson who obviously left and did what he did and, had his, had his moments. Right. Had his moments. Trey Nixon. People don't talk about him enough because he got pushed to the bottom of the depth chart. He did big things at Ole Miss for a minute, showed flashes at Ole Miss, and then did really big things at UCF. So when you're looking at strictly hit rate, 2016 class, when you look at needs being met and, and, and holes being filled, I think it's this class. Lane Kiffin knew exactly what, we, what Ole Miss needed knew where he needed to go to get it, which is ultimately the transfer portal in today's day and age, and then mm-hmm. shirt up his death issues with younger guys. So you've got the immediate impact transfers coming in to fill gaps that were pretty big gaps right away. I mean, JJ Pegasus fills the defensive line hole. Sure, he needs some development, whatever, but I think he's going to come along just fine. 
Mason Brooks fills an immediate hole, plug right into the offensive line. Linebacker, oh, no big deal. There's a hole there. Fine, go get Troy Brown. You know, Zach Evans, three running backs move on, bring in pretty much. I mean, if you put Zach Evans in this 2022 recruiting class, he is near the top, if not the top. And so from a top to bottom standpoint, the 2022 class fills the needs of Ole Miss football better than 2016 and better than 2013. Now we'll have to wait and see about hit rate. Do I think that this class could be the highest hit rate of the three? Absolutely. I do. Will it only time will tell. So I would classify all three differently. I would say 2013 was the best overall talent on national signing day. 2016 had the highest hit rate because the vast majority of those guys went on to do something big. I mean, even, even Royce Newman was the starting tackle for the green Bay Packers this year. Sure. It was in place for David Bakhtiari, but he started for the green Bay Packers as a rookie. So the hit rate on the 2016 class is highest of the three, but then 2022 fills the needs the best. I mean, when you look at it from top to bottom, there's not a single thing on the quote unquote wish list coming into the off season that wasn't met. And Lane said on early signing day, he said, yeah, we missed out on a couple guys here and there, but it's not a big deal. We're exactly where we would like to be is what he said. And that's exactly what ended up playing out. He went into the transfer portal, filled the needs immediately with guys that can step in right away that have played on the highest level that are incredibly talented and to ice the cake hopefully in the next 48 hours or so we get two official commitments from Jackson Dart who is a we've talked about him on the last podcast immediate talent at quarterback and a guy who's going to be the starting tight end the second he gets on campus so if you had said back on December 12th or whenever the early signing period opened this year that this class would be built on the back end I would have agreed with you but I don't think I would have seen it playing out in the way that it did because it has played out pretty much better than any Ole Miss fan certainly could have expected because it was, you know, that, that gif where the dog's sitting in the fire, that's how people felt on early signing day. And I don't know why yeah. because they went and got good talent. They didn't get great talent. They got good talent. And then they went in the portal and got the great talent. So it'll be interesting to how, see how it plays out from a, hit rate standpoint, but this class fills the needs that Ole Miss had coming into the offseason better than 2016 and better than 2013. So it'll be curious to see how it ends up playing out on the field. Yeah, we can't, uh, we, we obviously can't speak to hit rate for the 2022 class because they have not yet been on campus and played any games, but uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention some of the three stars in those two classes that uh, not only panned out, but were huge parts of the program. Um, in 2013, Quincy Adeboyjo, three-star, um, had a great career at Ole Miss. Evan Ingram, three-star, obviously became an All-American, now plays for the New York Giants. Um, Derek Jones, recruited as a wide receiver, flipped over to cornerback, had some big moments, um, locking down Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry in that LSU game. Um, and then in the 2016 class, you had a couple um, lower-rated guys that really played a, a ton of snaps at Ole Miss. Miles Hartsfield, who's now in the NFL, um, 
hit rate, but not at Ole Miss. Greg Eisworth signed with Ole Miss. He was a four-star, but he ended up at Iowa State where he was an all-Big 12 performer. Um, so you've got an, a healthy mix of you've got top-tier talent, big five-star, big-name guys, but then you've also got some three-stars that you hit on. So um, there's some guys in this 2022 class that I think have a real shot to to really turn some heads. Uh, I've been big on Quinchon Juckins, the three-star running back out of Pike Road, Alabama. I think he's going to um, – I said it on our last show. I think he's going to be someone that Ole Miss fans know and, and, and love to watch play on Saturdays. Um, Jeremiah Dillon, we, we already mentioned him. He's a four-star. He had a huge jump in the latest uh, reshuffling of the rankings at, at on three. Um, but then you've got a bunch of talented three-stars and someone like Larry Simmons, wide receiver from Moss Point, Cam East, the offensive tackle from uh, New Orleans, um, Valenta Carswell, um, God's only played one year of football. Uh, I think he's got a, a bright future if he can stay healthy, continue to progress on the offensive line. Tyler Banks is a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot. The athlete out of Crew, Virginia, a uh, 6'1", 240-pound do-it-all guy. Um, then they've got some some hidden gems here. But, yeah, I mean, the, the cachet of, of the, the names in this transfer portal class, um, you mentioned Zach Evans. Five-star was the 14th overall player in the country. Ladarius Tennyson was another four-star. Jeremiah Pegues, the local kid from Oxford, did a little bit of everything at Auburn. He's going to come back to, uh, to Ole Miss. I'm pretty sure he's going to play on the defensive line. He played there late in his Auburn career, made some plays. He uh, flashed a little bit in that Iron Bowl. He's a uh, very versatile guy. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in some goal line packages in the red zone, either as a, a lead blocker or possibly a, a decoy as a tight end. Um, and then Aishim Young is a guy that I think is going to step right in for Jake Springer and play that position close to the line of scrimmage. He's violent and runs the court. He makes a ton of plays. Um, and then you got Troy Brown, Mason Brooks, the offensive tackle from Western Kentucky that I think is going to step in and play right away. And then Jordan Watkins is a guy that people aren't really talking a lot about. He committed early to Ole Miss, but he's a legitimate slot receiver, good size, six foot one eighty. He was probably set to be Louisville's number one receiver going into 2022. He is now coming to Ole Miss. So, adding to that wide receiver room. But the big thing here is adding some legitimate pieces to the defense that they were going to miss in 2022. You lose Mark Robinson, Chance Campbell. Um, I think they're bringing in a guy like Troy Brown out of Central Michigan. Uh, the staff loves him. They expect him to step in and, and be a difference maker. I mentioned Young stepping in for Jake Springer. Ladarius Tennyson is a similar athlete. He can play close to the line of scrimmage and uh, be very active. I mean, I think right there, you've got a, a legit three-headed monster in Tennyson, Aishim Young, and then Taishim Johnson, who had a freshman All-American type season. Um, it's just three playmakers that are just going just gonna to be everywhere. They're going to find the football. They're going to be around it. You need those types of guys in the 3-2-6. Um, but it starts and stops with Zach Evans and then the you know presumed additions of Jackson Dart. And Michael Trigg, um, look, we, we talked about it on the first show. Luke Altmaier is still there. He's a talented guy. He could win the battle. I mean, they're going to have a true quarterback battle. You know, Kiffin's going to play the media right and say that he hopes that he has a starter, you know, picked out by the time they take on Troy in the, in the, in the opener. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's a hell of a case to make for this class 
comparing it to uh, to the others. I, I do want to give some some kudos here, friend of the show, um, Patton Valentine, a, a good buddy who who dives into recruiting analytics and and he's a recruiting junkie. Um, he was looking specifically at the 16 class and looking at it, comparing it to this one. Um, and he, and I'll, I'll read what he said here. He said the 16 class was really good. They had nine dudes from that team that made it at least to an NFL scout team, but it was really heavily skewed towards offense. Um, but in terms of per player average, the discrepancy between offense and defense was more than double than the one this year. Um, now discrepancies aren't always a bad thing. Um, balance, um, makes you good at everything, but not great. Um, but great at nothing is what he said. Um, so in, in this case, Ole Miss only signed one defensive end and one linebacker. So not only depth is an issue on that side of the ball, but overall talent. He was saying that this 2022 class is more balanced with offensive average being around the 88, 89 mark and defense being at almost 90. Um, so signing the right amount at every position group is why he believes this class is better than that 16 class. Um, and I think that's a good case to be made. Like I was saying, I mean, it, it fills the needs that it, it meets the needs that were, that were necessary coming into the off season. I know that came out worded funny, but you know what I mean? Like he's right. It, it fits the gaps based on across the board talent. There's a very real case to be made about 2022 being the best class. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think, um, he was, he was telling me, you know, just being a huge nerd when it comes to recruiting, um, he thinks the addition of Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg, increases the talent 3% or so, maybe a little bit over. Um, so the offense has increased by one, a little over 1%, and the defense has increased by um, almost five and a half. So uh, um, you lose seven blue chips from this 2021 team, but you're adding 12. So it's a 71% increase. So <laughs> hope everyone listens, taking notes, because there's a lot of numbers. But um, just calculating everything like that, you're taking the average of, of those that are left versus those that Ole Miss signed. Um, so, I mean, that's essentially what recruiting is. When you, when, you, when you strip it down and you get to the bones of it, it's all about finding fit and, 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 and filling needs. I mean, you can look at, you know, there, there, there are programs out there that sign people just based on star rating and what are they, you know, how's it look on paper? I mean, Hugh Freeze did it a ton when he was at Ole Miss and a lot of guys either didn't really fit or they didn't pan out. Kiffin and them are big on in-person evaluations. Um, there were several guys in this 2022 class that were exactly that. Um, you know, we mentioned, you know, Jeremiah Dillon had a huge boost. He's a four-star now, but when he was, you know, evaluated in person, he was a three-star. Um, they did the same thing with somebody like Preston Cushman, three-star offensive tackle from Clearwater, Florida. Um, the Gators wanted him bad. When, when Dan Mullen was the coach there, they fought tooth and nail to try to get him. In-person, private evaluation by Jake Thornton, tipped the scales in Ole Miss's favor, they got him. Uh, someone like Jalen White, three-star linebacker out of Arkansas, he was a do-it-all athlete for Parkview Magnet. He played quarterback, um, but they're, they like him as a linebacker. They worked him out in person. They liked what they saw. Um, same thing with Kyron Heath, a guy that committed very early on in the summer. He's a tight end. Um, he shut things down virtually. I mean, not virtually, basically shut things down completely once he committed. Nobody else really talked to him. Nobody else really offered him. 
Um, these are guys that they all evaluated in person and they felt that they fit what they are looking for. So that's when, in my opinion, when it comes, when you, when you get down to the nitty gritty and recruiting, it's all about how they fit your program and what you're trying to do on both sides of the ball. And like you said, I think Ole Miss really did a hell of a job in 2022 and look, the the names jump out to you in those other two classes but i think the and again we don't know the hit rate yet because i hadn't played but on paper and then with the transfer portal what we've seen these guys do at their previous programs real shot to be one of if not the best classes in Ole Miss history without a doubt without all a right doubt. we're gonna take our first break here from the uh sponsors that make this show possible when we come back we're going to dive into the mailbag, and then we have a, uh, another topic that I want to bend your ear about in the second segment. So hang tight. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant bar and entertainment space on South Lamar in Oxford. 10,000 square feet of indoor space and three-quarters of an acre of outdoor space complete with a full-stage indoor and outdoor projectors, three bars, a children's playground, and parking on site for you to come and enjoy all of their open fire barbecue and the fixings that come with it. And now you can contact Lamar Yard and ask them about their catering and private event rental options. Perfect for that next big celebration and or the Grove party in the fall or if you want to inquire about doing some catering in the spring for Ole Miss Baseball. They are your quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. Football season is back at Ole Miss. As we all know, we are rolling in to the end of the 2021 season. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild and South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules, all of that and more, the best and brightest in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. The show also brought to you by Memphis restauranteur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com. And you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English Restaurant Group in Memphis, Second Line Restaurant Iris, and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. The show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over, see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew take on their challenge of the wide plush Zoiza fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, the driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. And we are back here, not committed I'm your host, Zach Barry. Grayson Weir with me as well. All right, Grayson, I know we want to get into the 2022 class here, but first, we do need to jump into the mailbag that we have up at OM Spirit, part of the On3 network. I haven't, opened it. I haven't opened it yet. Let's go ahead. I'm assuming we're going to get a lot of Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg questions. Um, all right, I'm going to skip through the first. What's that? Um, What's that blues clue? We just got a letter. We just got a letter. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. 
Um, all right. Uh, so just if, uh, what day will Dart and Trick first go to class? Monday. Monday. That's expected. Uh, all right, here we go. Have you heard any names of 2022 guys that Ole Miss might try to sign late? Um, I'll answer really quick, and then I'll throw it to you. I don't believe so. I think they're strictly portal. Davis Nick Benoson was the last name that I expected Ole Miss to look at in terms of high school guys, but have you heard of anyone? No, from everything I've heard, it's all portal from here on out. Uh, Davidson was the last guy, and and that was between Rutgers and Ole Miss, so it was kind of always Ole Miss. Yeah. All right, predictions for next season's record, assuming Ole Miss gets Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg. I was actually talking to some folks about this today. So this is this is a good because uh, it's fresh on my mind. So looking at the schedule, I'm going to run through it, and you're going to tell me win or loss, okay? Okay. All right. Opener at home, Troy. Win. Win. Okay. Me too. Next, Central Arkansas at home. Luke Altmyer is going to get playing time in the second half. <laughs> All right. Two and zero. Oh. Next, at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. I think that's one of the bigger trap games of the year. Um, Ooh, I think you're coming spicy. off of, you know, two pretty dominant wins. Troy and Central Arkansas should be pretty dominant. And then you're going into a place, yeah, there, there's no atmosphere at Bobby Dodd. But Georgia Tech is one of those teams that can, like, sneak around and catch you when you're not looking. I think it's a win, but I think it's a lot closer than maybe it should be. Okay. I I think it's a win. I don't think it's very close. I. I I haven't really seen much from Georgia Tech. I feel like they're kind of either, you know, sputtering in neutral or getting worse under Jeff Collins. I, I could see that being a big statement game because it's a road game. It's early on. I could see Kiffin and the staff wanting to make a statement. I could see like anywhere from like a 13 to a 17 point win. I, I'd, I'd prefer it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So three, no. Go back home against the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Win. I, I, I don't see okay. – I don't know how they lose <laughs> that game. I just don't. I've, I've, I've had people tell me, like, oh, look out for Tulsa. Their defense is sneaky. Yeah, their defense is sneaky. They've covered me a lot of games. But I, I don't see it. I just don't see a way that Ole Miss loses to Tulsa. Yeah. All right. So, 4-0 heading into October. First SEC game at home, Kentucky. When it's at home, it gives you the advantage. Kentucky is going to be very good um, next year, but I think I think the Rebs are going to get up for that game and really be, you know, you're feeling good at four and zero. You want to put a statement in conference, knowing that the following week, which we'll get into, is also a dub. Yeah, Levis is back at quarterback. Rodriguez is back at running back. I, I think Kentucky will be good, but I do I agree with you there. First SEC game at home. I expect a huge crowd because you'll be undefeated. I don't I haven't looked at Kentucky's schedule. They might be undefeated as well. But yeah, I agree. So five and zero. Oh. So Kentucky, Kentucky starts the year before Ole Miss with Miami of Ohio at Florida. So they're they're getting Ooh. a really tough test right out of the gate. Youngstown State, sneaky. The Penguins are kind of nice. And then NIU, which is not a bad team that's just gonna roll over. I mean, they've been building um from the basement at least so they're, they're on the way up so it's not necessarily troy central arkansas georgia tech and tulsa but it's not 
you know, the, the, that Florida game is really interesting. And like you said, Will Levis is coming back. A lot of that offense comes back. I think that game in Oxford on Saturday, October 1st, is the first real test of the first four games for a defense that is going to have to find itself again after losing a bunch of guys this offseason, after rebuilding throughout the spring and the offseason. Kentucky's going to be the first true test of, okay, what can this defense do without Durkin and what can it do with all the new players who are in the system? But I do right. think it's. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's a win. Um, I would expect Ole Miss to win that game and then add Vandy in Nashville, whatever. So six and zero oh, in my opinion. I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm excited. At, at, the, at the very least five and one, but I, I think they beat Kentucky. So six and zero. Oh. All right. Then it gets tough. You've got Auburn, and I'm going to run through these. I'm going to say them all at once, and then you give me your thoughts on the second half of the season. You've got Auburn at home, at LSU, at A&M. Then you get an open date, and then you get Alabama late at home, at Arkansas, and then Mississippi State at home. You go first, and then I'll get my thoughts. I think Auburn's a win. I think it depends on who is that quarterback. For Auburn, it seems like it's going to be TJ Finley. Um, is there a chance that he could like really figure out who he is as a player? <laughs> sure. Do I think that's going to happen? No. So I think you, I think you beat Auburn. Go into Baton Rouge. Uh, see, this one is the one where I I start to get stumped. Ole Miss has had LSU's number you know, of late a little bit, at least more so than when Leonard Fournette was burying dudes. Um, See, that one's tricky. It's probably going to be a night game because LSU, looking at their schedule, has a real chance. Well, I guess they'd have to make a statement against Tennessee and at Florida. So they, they could, there's a chance that LSU could have two or three losses, maybe even four losses, including Mississippi State coming into that game. So they're going to get up looking for a win. I mean, I don't know how. I don't know how you lose to LSU next year. I think they're rebuilding. I think Brian Kelly's going to not quite know what's coming to him in his first year in the SEC. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Brian Kelly steps in there and s- s- proves everybody, you know, silly for laughing at Notre Dame throughout the years. But I don't think so. I think year one's going to be tough for him. I think you win at LSU. You go to Texas A&M. Again, depends on the quarterback. I think I think that game yeah. could be a coin flip. Um, and I say that in that we don't really know what A&M's going to look like next year. They're bringing a lot of young guys. They've had some good but not great recruiting classes in the past. So uh, my gut right now, says that you beat Texas A&M, but I think that one's very tricky. I think that could be the first loss of the year. So I'm going to go ahead and count it as a loss. Although I think, you know, as of today, Ole Miss wins. I think next year, that's a different story when A&M has itself figured out at that point in the season. So then you're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and one going into the bye week. I know everyone's going to get excited about Alabama. I made that mistake this year. Alabama's yeah, a law. I did too. Um, Arkansas, I, think, I, think, I think next year's Alabama team might make a case for being one of Nick Saban's best. 
I agree. And they're going to be angry too, which is even worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to be out to, to kill everyone. Which is, which is terrifying. Uh, Arkansas, again, that's a tricky one. In Fayetteville, what does Sam Pittman really have cooking over there? It's Arkansas. But I don't... They, lost a, they lost a ton from that defense, but they kept Kendall Bryles in town. KJ Jefferson's going to have a whole nother season of getting better at quarterback and being in that system. It's tricky. It's at Arkansas. It, it's always it's, a weird game. Tricky is a really good word for that game. Um, but again, I, I don't, I like Sam Pittman as a person and I think he is building something good in Arkansas. I don't think he's building something great in Arkansas. I don't think he's building a national championship contender. I don't think he'll ever get to that level, especially as the NIL landscape passes a school like Arkansas by how much can you pay a kid to go to school, you know, in, in, in Arkansas. Um, I think that's a win. I'm, I'm going to say win, but it's very tricky. So now you're looking at eight and two and Mississippi state. Again, I don't know. I don't know how you lose that game. I mean, Will Rogers is going to be better, but we've seen based on history that Lane Kiffin can put an air raid offense to bed defensively and he can compete with them from a point standpoint. So I don't know how you lose that game. And I think you're looking at another 10 and two season going into the playoff where Alabama is going to be number one, or if they're not number one, they're going to be number five. Number four is going to lose. They're going to sneak into the playoff at number four. They're going to dominate their semifinal opponent and probably win the national championship. So you put Alabama out of the way. And then, I mean, maybe Kentucky could make a case for the, the sugar bowl, but at 10 and two, it's a very realistic idea with Jackson Dart at quarterback. And, and that comes as someone who is, who's pretty negative when it comes to wins and losses, just because I don't like to get hopes up, but 10 and two is realistic and another sugar bowl is realistic. And that's pretty fun to say. Yeah. I mean, I said that earlier today to someone that if and when they land Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg, it gives you two bona fide stars on offense. There's a real shot to make back-to-back New Year's six bowls. Um, and look, I, I want to toot my own horn. I, I predicted 10 and two in the preseason before this past season. I'm inclined to do it again. Um, so let's hear it. Let's I, hear it. We, you, you go into Kentucky, you beat Troy, you beat Central Arkansas, you beat Georgia Tech, you beat Tulsa, you beat Kentucky, you beat Vanderbilt. You're looking at six yeah. and oh, going into Auburn, LSU, AM, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State. What do you have, Auburn? You think it's a win? <sighs> Man, um, if, if history has told me anything, it's that this is a loss. If anyone okay. has Ole Miss's number over the years, it is Auburn. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just a, a series that it doesn't matter who the coach is, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, it doesn't matter who the coach is at Ole Miss, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is at Ole Miss. They have always found ways to, and God, pardon the pun there, Jesus. Um, <laughs> but they, they just it's it's just a game that Ole Miss struggles um so six and one going in the I'll mode. say I'll say they lose to Auburn six and okay. one I think they beat LSU I think they beat A&M I think 
I don't think LSU is going to be very good. I think Brian Kelly is a good fit there. I think Brian Kelly is a good coach. He has made some really interesting and strategic hires to continue to recruit at a high level at LSU. He's also bringing in a lot of the transfer portal guys that you got to count on to be instant impact. I don't know if it's going to be able to, I don't know if it's going to be able to help at the quarterback position. I don't, and it's I don't, year one. Yeah, year one. I don't know who the quarterback is. Uh, whatever. I think they beat LSU. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they beat AM. Uh, I think I'm you okay lose. I think you lose to Alabama. And I think you beat Arkansas and you beat Mississippi State. So I'm going to say 10 and 2. God. I mean, it, the fact that we're even able to say that, it's insane. With, with a decent amount of confidence is is crazy. I think the only, if I have an asterisk or a caveat, that Arkansas game is scary. Fable, so late in the year, if, if they've got some semblance of something cooking, I think it's tricky. Barry Odom is still there. They lost a ton on defense, but he's still going to have a good defense. Um, so if you told me that they lose to Arkansas and they go nine and three, I don't think that's crazy at all. Um, but yeah, nine and three, 10 and two is, is certainly gettable. All right. Next question in the mailbag. What percentage would you give of Deion Smith playing football for Ole Miss in 2022? <laughs> I don't know. 8%. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go six or seven. I, I just don't think the, that there's any, yeah. I think that if he was eligible to play football at Ole Miss next season, he would, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Someone's asking us to clarify enrolled versus admitted conflicting reports. I'm assuming they're referring to Jackson Dart. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told today, this evening, I put it up in our daily thread at OM Spirit, part of on3.com, that he was, uh, he had applied and was accepted. Now, I have while we've been doing this show, I've been trying to confirm if he is in fact enrolled. I tentatively think that he is. Now, this isn't me saying that there's a snag or I think he's going to Ole Miss. I just don't know how far down the road it is. I don't know if it's like a a 24-hour thing and then by the time people listen to this, he'll be enrolled. I do think he is going to be at Ole Miss in a classroom on Monday. As of right now, I don't know if the, the switch has been flipped to enrolled. I think it is, but I haven't been able to officially confirm it. Um, I've heard both. I've heard both words tossed around and I think they're not interchangeable. They are very different words admitted versus enrolled versus enrolled, but one word does not, that doesn't change anything. Why, why would Jackson dart this late in the game, being applying to Ole Miss if he wasn't going there. If this had been two weeks ago and he had applied to Ole Miss, admitted might be a very different word with very different mm-hmm. because then he could have applied to Oklahoma and seen what happened there. At this point in the game, like you said, all, the entire expectation from everybody that I've talked to, from everybody that you've talked to, from everything that everybody else has talked to, is that the expectation is Jackson Dart has been admitted to the University of Mississippi as of right now and will be in a classroom on Monday. I don't think one word really changes much. Yeah, I would agree there. Um, All right, next question. 
do we owe Dart and Trig for the use of the title of the show, Not Committed? Um, to, to, to give credit here, uh, our buddy Ben Garrett was the one who came up with that. We had a couple other show title names in the running. We went with Not Committed. Um, you know, recency bias, it probably tipped the scales not committed because of all the, the Twitter games that those two were playing, but we've seen the hashtag not committed with a lot of recruits when they go on visits and they post all the, the cool Jersey photos or like a hype video. And then it's like, Hey, not committed. Just people have been, uh, po- people have been posting some sick hashtag, content. Exactly. People have been posting hashtag not committed for years since the existence of Twitter, since the existence of Instagram so yeah. do they get credit for it? No, but just recency bias, I think probably had something to do with it. And shout out to Ben for coming up with it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a little bit of a double entendre too, because not committed because, you know, we're, we're not always committed to everything that, that we talk about on the show because recruiting is virtually impossible to predict. So, <laughs> um, all right, well, Jackson Dark, keep wearing the cool face paint at Ole Miss. That's the most important thing, honestly. I, I certainly hope so. The Anakin Skywalker look, is legit and i hope that he lets his hair grow out and wears the puka shell necklace because that is just drips in il from some salon in oxford and some jewelry store that probably will start selling puka shell necklaces so i'm reading here right now a few usc reporters asked jackson dart whether or not the eye black will continue and why he wears it in the unique way quote oh yeah It'll definitely continue. I started it in high school. I saw an LSU defensive back have it one time. And I was like, man, that looks really cool. And then I'm a big Star Wars guy. So me and my friends kind of changed into Anakin Skywalker. He's got the scar. And so now I just kind of go out there and correlate to Anakin Skywalker. Ha ha. So, I mean, he said, oh yeah, it'll definitely continue to USC. So if he was willing to make the jump from high school to college, I think it stays. However, I mean, West Coast to SEC is a little different. You know, he might choose to go more professional, but nobody brings the <laughs> Jackson Dart. And so I, I would think that it stays. And I think that that's his, his signature thing. And in, unless maybe, you know, Kiffin pulls him aside and says, hey, why don't we just stick to the clean look, which he won't because it's awesome. And Lane loves when people express themselves. Yeah. I think it'll be there next year. Yeah. Lane's not running the New York Yankees, so he's not going to have to clean anything up. No. All right. Um, Ooh, Matt Corral draft prediction. See, I've been, it's, it's too early to get into this because we don't know who, what's going to yeah, move don't, we, we don't, yeah, we don't know. know how things finish but we haven't we have somewhat of an idea so if i had to guess right now where matt corral goes i think 18 to new orleans makes a lot of sense and i know that's going to get mm. a lot of people really excited um this is all speculation i have no idea you know what teams are looking for <laughs> as of right now once we get a little closer we might have a general a better idea of who's targeting what and who's talking to who, but just based off of the draft order in general, I think 18 to new Orleans makes a lot of sense unless, I mean, that depends now on the coaching hire. I think 20 to Pittsburgh can make a lot of sense because there's no way that Mike Tomlin's dumb enough to send Mason Rudolph out there again. So Pittsburgh at 20 could make sense. 
I don't think, I think he deserves to be a top 10 talent based on the way that he has played. But I think based on his size, his injury, the fact that the quarterback's position one through 10 outside of Atlanta, maybe Denver, even though I think now Denver is probably going to get Aaron Rodgers. Um, mm. I, I don't, I don't see Corral going top 10. And I think people are going to get really excited about Pickett just because he's got a big hand oh, and, a good frame and all that stuff. So I don't know. As of right now, if I had to guess, I could see, Corral going 18 to New Orleans, going 20 to Pittsburgh, or maybe somebody trading back into the first round um, there at the end to a team like, per se, Buffalo, who doesn't really need anything on either side of the ball. Maybe Buffalo moves back and lets somebody trade back in to snag Corral, whether that be to sit under somebody for a year or to start him right away. I don't know. Again, maybe we have a better idea come April. But as of right now, I'd say 18 or 20 would be my my best bet. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, lot of buzz about Pickett at nine to the Broncos. I, I think I hate that because Kenny Pickett wears two gloves. I think that's stupid. Um, <laughs> as, as our buddy Neil Schuster would say, um, if he sees you with two gloves, that's an auto press from me, dog. A um, lot of buzz about him going to Washington. Um, I mean, Ron Rivera, they, they need a franchise quarterback. Um, and you mentioned the injury. I do remember seeing when all the news of the x-rays coming back negative after the injury, I did see several NFL guys. Uh, I believe Chris Mortensen was one of them that said that there were several NFL GMs that said that it wasn't going to negatively affect his draft stock. So I don't think, um, yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. Um, depending on who the saints hire, if they want to go the route of, a quarterback he makes a ton of sense there they could also go receiver um just to try to get someone in there to you know is michael thomas going to be in the lineup if not they're going to need to get a bona fide you know star receiver steelers have heard that a ton um i selfishly would like him to fall all the way to 26 and i would like for the titans to draft him because i am over the ryan Tannehill experience um and even if you're not over the ryan Tannehill experience you could at least draft him and uh, groom him for a year or two before they move on from Tannehill. Here's a, I don't know if he'll fall this far. I don't think he will, but here's a theory. If in fact he falls and if he does fall to 26, I just know that the Titans won't do it because Elijah Moore fell to the Titans and they didn't draft him just to torture me. If he falls <laughs> that far, do the Bucks take him to groom him behind Tom Brady? Interesting. Because Brady if could be Brady on his stays. way out. If or, if he's, or, or, if, or if he stays, true. Brady had a very cryptic quote. Um, obviously, grim circumstances, but it was the anniversary of Kobe Bryant, RIP. Um, but he was talking about how, you know, you just, you never know, you know, how long you've got on this earth. You never know, you know, how long you're going to have these things, you know, material, career, everything. So uh, probably just Tom Brady talking but maybe he's looking to move on or maybe possibly retire. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still a little early because like you said, there could be a lot of movement. We don't know who's talking to who, but yeah, we Corral certainly coaching everywhere. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. He certainly deserves to be a top 10 pick. Um, the Broncos it. would be cool. I, I, I love the city of Denver. I could get on board with that. Atlanta um, would be awesome too. Atlanta's got a lot of young talent at, mm -hmm. at 
in on the offense and that would be a lot of fun because Matt Ryan, or yeah, Matt Ryan, this is probably his last year or second to last year. And I'm a big proponent proponent of there's no need to start a rookie right away. Obviously there are examples of it working out like the Justin Herberts and et cetera, but there's mm-hmm. no need. So if you have a time to develop a guy like Matt Corral, who doesn't really need that much development, he just needs to get used to the next level, take it. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for him to go to a lot of different places. <laughs> yeah. Um, another connection in Atlanta, Arthur Smith, the OC, uh, former staffer at Ole Miss. So I'm sure that he's uh, kept a close eye on Corral and his career. All right. Um, scrolling through, uh, somebody's asking us to give out Powerball numbers since we manifested Lane to Ole Miss in 2019. And then now you and I have manifested Dart to Ole Miss. I, I can't give you Powerball numbers. I 12. wish I could. Uh, yeah, I mean, pick out like, I don't know, Dart wears two. I guess Trig might wear zero. Um, I don't even know if zero is a Powerball number. But, yeah, just pick um, pick some of your favorite players, I guess, and then maybe like your kid's birthday or something. <laughs> um, um, somebody said, what is this crap about Jack Abraham not being – uh, able to enroll until the summer. Uh, so that stems back from the uh, tampering accusations from Mississippi State with Jerry and Jones, baby and love it. Um, Ole Miss was, I guess, slapped with a penalty there. They can't get anyone from Mississippi State until the summer. Uh, Jack Abraham is going to take some visits, um, but I think he's probably leaning towards staying in Oxford. I think this is going to be his seventh year in college football. Um, so I, I, I wrote an article about this. Okay. DK Metcalf is potentially going to be on his second NFL contract before Jack Abraham even graduates college. And the two of them played at Oxford high school together. So we have to stand an absolute King and Jack Abraham for staying in college and just never leaving. I mean, the guy is like, I am not getting a day job. I am playing football until they tell me I cannot. <laughs> um, also, you mentioned DK Metcalf getting on his uh, second NFL contract. Shout out to my boy, uh, Lane. Big ups to you on that uh, Venmo coming through when that happens. Um, all right. Uh, assuming Ole Miss ends up officially with Dart and Trigg, I think our biggest needs are rush end and a big receiver. Do we agree? Are we hearing any names Ole Miss will go after? Um. The rush end situation, um, his name is escaping me, Ben uh, reported um, that he was uh, certainly interested in Ole Miss. Uh, I'm desperately, Cam Butler drew a complete blank there. He is in the portal. Um, He is reportedly taking his time and is looking to enroll somewhere in the summer. Um, He finished uh, 2021, he had eight sacks. Uh, was fourth in the conference, 12 solo tackles for loss. He had 53 total tackles. Uh, Pro football focus gave him a 79.3 overall defensive grade. He was a uh, multiple all-MAC honoree. Um, Penn State offered him. Virginia offered him. Ole Miss has offered him. They would certainly love to add him. Um, he is a, uh, a certified dude that would give them a presence off the edge. Um, that's the name I throw out there for a rush end and a big receiver. 
I don't know any off the top of my head right now. Um, there's obviously going to be more portal movement um, after spring practice. I would just, I would think there's going to be more guys getting in the portal. Um, I say this, here's a name to keep an eye on. Malik Heath, the uh, receiver from Mississippi State, he also got in the portal. Um, I know Ole Miss is showing some interest. The former four-star from uh, from Jackson, Mississippi, went to Callaway High School. Um, he is a big receiver, 6'3", 210. Um, I'm very curious to know what his health situation is. He unfortunately was in a very serious car wreck um, after the season. And um, it was pretty serious for, for a hot minute. He had to be airlifted. Um, I, everything's fine now, but what's his status in terms of playing more football? Um, but yeah, I mean, he would be a legitimate red zone threat. He averaged 13 yards a catch in 2021. He had five touchdowns, 34 receptions. So could take a flyer on him, get him in and try to get him healthy and get ready for 2022. Those are the two names I feel comfortable with right now. Yeah. I I had heard Cam Butler is, is the guy for the defensive end pass rusher, hopefully. And then Malik Heath is the big receiver that could make some sense. The one I'm interested in, and now I haven't heard anything to hear that Olmes has even really reached out. I know, I know there may have been conversations about reaching out and he's not necessarily a big receiver, but Taj Harris, the Syrac- the Syracuse wide receiver. Oh, that's um, another one. Yeah. Yeah. He's six So he's not huge, but he's not small and he's a new Jersey guy. So maybe Partridge helps with that. Um, and having that Jersey connection. I know that the name was tossed around. I don't think there's been any contact made, um, but I like Taj Harris a lot. So from a, a, if I were in the driver's seat standpoint, Taj Harris is someone I would look to. But outside of that, in terms of a quote-unquote big wide receiver, there hasn't really want, been anyone you know, of interest in the portal that would make sense anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So you just got to deal with the cards you're dealt and, and just work over the middle if you have to. Yeah. All right. Um, scrolling through the ones here at the end. Um... Let's see. Here's one. Uh, favorite uniform combo. You can go first. Uh, recency bias be damned here. I thought the Sugar Bowl look was was pretty fresh. I love the new helmet. Um, and the powder blue jersey is great. My only gripe, and I'm a big uniform guy, my one gripe is that they got to put something on the pants. You got to add some stripes. I agree. And it's got the stripes should match the helmet. Match the helmet. The uniform, it appears, is just is staying with the two stripe on the shoulder. I think you got to put two stripes on the pants. I just that's my only gripe. I think Ole Miss has great uniforms. Red and blue is hard to mess up. Um, I think the Sugar Bowl look was solid. Just add something to the pants. I don't know if you need to have two pairs of white pants where you have two powder stripes and then you have two red stripes. Um, outside of that, I mean, it, I'm not huge on the gray pants, but the powder helmet, red Jersey, gray pant look is pretty classic and is tough to beat. Um, that's, that's mean, where I, that's where I stand and I, I'll go to war for the gray pants. I know that they get a lot of hate <laughs> and I, and I know that there are people out there listening right now who are fuming 
at the idea of someone actually liking the gray pants. And I know there are a couple of you and you know who you are because I'm looking directly at you right now who freaking love the gray pants as much as I do. And I, I think that the powder blue with the red and the gray pants is awesome because if you wear white pants with that uniform, it, it completely changes the look. So the gray keeps it neutral without trying to take right. away much from the powder and the red, which really just talk. And when we were talking on the last episode, or I think you said it, the best uniform matchup in college football, USC, UCLA, it is because when you have both of those guys wearing you know, their home jerseys and the, you've got the Cardinal and gold and the, the Bruins wearing whatever it's the, ugh, God, I shudder at the Bruins, but <laughs> when you put Ole Miss on the field and their powder blue helmets and the red jerseys and the gray pants against LSU wearing their all whites, the all white helmet, the white Jersey, the white pants. I think that is the second best uniform matchup in all of college football. I love when those two get on the field and wear their classics. Yeah, I'm with you there on the gray pants because it doesn't drown out the powder helmet and the red jersey that pops. Yep. If you wear white with it, it kind of takes away from how those two things work together. So that's the only time that I'll budge on the gray pants. Um, but again, the gray pants, it just comes back to matching. The gray pants have two different stripes. They don't match the jersey. They don't match the helmet. So that's my only gripe. Um, all right, moving on. Um, this is an interesting one. Is the Dart Altmeyer quarterback duo the best in Ole Miss history? No. I I don't off the top of my head, I can't necessarily think of a a better one. I'd have to like go back through the years, but I don't I don't think so. I mean So they were asking, like, is is it better than Eli Manning Romero Miller? Which that's a pretty no pretty pretty spicy duo. We don't, there. We, don't, um, we don't know, but no. Yeah, I mean, we don't, yeah, we still know. Like, Luke Altmaier has yet to play a full game. Um, I mean, you could argue that this past season's duo was was pretty pretty damn good and Matt Corral and Luke Altmaier. Um, Matt Corral, I've said it before, and, 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 and I know you don't necessarily agree, but Matt Corral is the best quarterback to ever play at Ole Miss. Not necessarily statistically, because I, if, you, if you ask me to rank it. Oh, I, I agree now 100%. Okay, great. Yeah, so if you ask me to rank it, I'm going Matt Corral 1, I'm going Chad Kelly 2, I'm going Eli 3. So I know that's not necessarily the, what all the homers would think, but that's where <laughs> I stand. And so, so you could make a case that Matt Corral and Luke Altmaier yeah. are the best duo. I think that's a legitimate I, case. I think the juxtaposition of Corral versus Eli Manning is eerily similar because Eli Manning's supporting cast, all due respect to those guys, was not as talented as what Chad Kelly had. No, and then if not. you look at if you look at what Matt Corral had to work with this year with the injuries, it almost kind of balances it out. Because Chad, as awesome as he was, he put up one of the best seasons in SEC history next to Cam and, and Johnny Manziel. You should have won the Heisman Trophy that year. I mean, you you win one or two more games and you might. Um, but Chad had some some dudes to throw to. Mm-hmm. And Eli was working with Bill Flowers and Chris Collins and Mike Espy <laughs> and Tay Biddle. Um, and then you look at this year, I mean, Ontario Drummond and Braylon Sanders, good receivers, but they were, I don't think they were ever really hundred percent after the second or third game. And then you throw in a guy like Jacor Pearson, who had a, had a good year, but he's just not on par with the guys that, that Chad was throwing to. So that, that's a great question. Um, then, well, hey, before we move on, I'm just, I'm just okay. thinking out loud here. 
No, no, go ahead. 2016 was Chad Kelly and Shea Patterson. That's there's a case. There's a case. I <laughs> yeah. know that I know that Shea Patterson is is Shea Patterson, and there's a stigma to him. But when at the time in 2016, he was pretty good. There's a case to be made there. I think. Oh God! All right, real quick, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go Matt Corral, Luke Altmaier, one. I'm going to go Eli Manning, Romero Miller, two. I'm going to go Chad Kelly. Shea Patterson, Grant Restmeyer, three. <laughs> that, that might be the spiciest thing we've ever heard. Um, yeah, I mean, on paper, Jackson Dart and Luke Altmaier. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Not a question, but uh, somebody gave us a shout out and said that uh, they like the pod. Reminds them of the old Red Cup days. Oh, thanks. Um, they said, uh, doesn't the dart trig recruitment slash enrollment feel like the yellow cup trying to win a race at the baseball game or Charlie Brown trying to kick the football or both? That, that's, a, that's a great point. Yes. Um, except in this instance, <laughs> yellow cup wins the race and Charlie Brown kicks the football because Jackson dart and Michael Trigg are coming to Ole Miss. There it is. Breaking news. Um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> Uh, hmm, scrolling through, efforting, efforting. As you, as you scroll through, I'd just like to give a quick shout out to Ben Brown. Uh, right as we hopped on this call, he got an invite to the NFL scouting combine. I think he has a real chance to make himself a lot of money. Uh, so super excited oh, yeah. for, for big 55 over there. Yeah. This we'll is a recruiting show, show and we'll give him a shout out from a lowly three star from Mississippi to now getting an invite to the NFL combine. That's uh, that's pretty good. Good for him. Um, speaking of shout outs, we're going to take our break real quick to give a shout out to the sponsors. Hang tight. We'll finish up the mailbag. And then with some closing thoughts on the 2022 class, we'll be right back. Podcast brought to you by protection Unlimited incorporated the mid South leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area and North Mississippi for 50 plus years and would love to get your business and or family protected today. They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options and they're monitoring 24 7 365. You can reach them via phone at 901-754-6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. Podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals. They can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com. Podcast brought to you by the Barry Home Team. You're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home. Call Stacy and Rick Berry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status, and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Berry Home Team, you can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. 
Find more information at saddlecreektitle.com or call them 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around, give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Ole Miss fans, you can never be too careful, especially these days and with young kids at home. Don't take any chances and secure your home with Eufy Smart Lock, an easy install all-in-one security device for your front door and that peace of mind we're all looking for. I myself am a Eufy user, and I can tell you firsthand, go ahead and ditch those house keys forever, grab a Phillips head screwdriver because that's all you'll need, and give Eufy Smart Lock a try today. No monthly fee, and Eufy customer service is waiting on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. So what are you waiting for? Head to Vault Hemingway or the Pavilion or Swayze Field to cheer on your Ole Miss Rebels with the reassurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Smart Lock. Eufy Video Lock makes it easy to keep an eye on things back home. Its built-in camera can tell you who's at the front door from the comfort of your stadium seat. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com, eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Smart Lock and Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. And we're back here, not committed. Zachary, Grayson, we're with you. All right, last couple questions. What are our thoughts on Zach Evans and how he's potentially going to be a top running back in the SEC? Um, that's that's not too crazy. I mean, I think Jameer Gibbs is going to have a say in that. He uh, transferred to Alabama from Georgia Tech. Um, I mean, plug and play there in Tuscaloosa. He's going to have a great offensive line to run behind Bryce Young receivers all over the place probably going to have another tight end even though Jalil Billingsley left um yeah you can make a a case for Zach Evans and Jameer Gibbs being um the two best I mean Tank Bigsby is going to have something to say about it too at Auburn is he going to have any help um but he's still a super talented guy um where do you think Zach Evans stacks up I think I think one two or three with those three names makes sense I think the problem not a problem. Uh, it's almost a good problem to have for Zach Evans is that 
I think Judkins um, and uh, I, I think the backfield's going to be busy. I think it's going to be a similar situation to this year where it will be a three-headed monster, um, you know, coming into the season. And that might hinder Zach Everett. Like a Tank Bigsby is going to get almost every carry as opposed to Zach Evans, who will get a significant number of carries, but maybe less than he would if he was the only guy to hand the ball off to. So I think that could hurt his case from a statistical standpoint, but from a, like a legitimate, just being a dude standpoint, Zach Evans is one of the best dudes in all of college football. Yeah. Um, now I will say, don't forget, I think Auburn's got one of the better one, two punches in the SEC with Jarquez Hunter in there with Tank sure. Bigsby as well. Um, all right, last couple ones here. Uh, we're going to put a pin in this one for the next episode. Uh, somebody asked what our all-time favorite recruiting story is. We'll, we'll talk about that one on the, uh, on the next show next week. I like that. Um, let's see, last one here. Um are people sleeping on Cam Johnson? He was a four-star out of high school with three years starting experience, finished sixth in the SEC in receptions in 2020. Um, I mean, I would think people are probably sleeping on him because he played at Vandy. Um, but he was a guy that had a power five offers and chose to go to Vandy. He's a hometown kid. He went to Brentwood Academy, chose to, stuck, uh, to stay home, go to Vanderbilt, get a degree from Vanderbilt. He's on track to graduate in the spring, and then he will be making a decision on where he is going since he is in the portal already. Um, depending on what else happens at the receiver position, I think Ole Miss would like to add him. I don't know where he is on the pecking order. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he would be a, a legitimate option to have in the slot. Um, an experienced guy. He made some big plays while he was at Bandy, and you have to consider who he had thrown in the ball who was around him. Uh, he wasn't really getting much help in the uh, big play department with the Commodores. So, yeah, I mean, you could, I, I would think you're sleeping on Cam Johnson. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think people are giving him enough credit that he deserves, but at the same time, you know, it's not like people are sleeping on him and then he's going to be this 14 year NFL wide receiver goes into the hall of fame. I mean, I hope he proves me wrong because I hope everybody always proves me wrong, but I don't think he's that special, but would adding him to the current roster be a significant addition that you would like to have? Absolutely. I mean, he played pretty well at Vanderbilt, averaged more than nine yards per catch in all four of his years there. Uh, now, mind you, think of who was throwing him the ball. I can't even tell you who was throwing him the ball because they weren't good. So could they be sleeping on him? Sure, definitely. Do I think that like people are deep sleeping on him? No, I think he's probably pretty good and would be a great addition wherever he ends up. All right. Uh, I know you had some thoughts that you wanted to get out there on the 2022 class before we wrap things up. I'll give you the floor here before we uh, close up shop for the evening. So have at it, Grayson. I'd like to give some love to the offensive line in this class. It is not, necessarily flashy from a star standpoint and i've said this over and over again i'm not a star guy i think it's cool i think it's fun whatever i don't think lane kiffin's a star guy i don't think matt Lindsay, who had a big 
role in this class, obviously no longer with the program, is a big star guy. They don't care how many stars you have next to your name, what your composite score is, what your ranking is, what number player you are in the state. None of that matters to me. I mean, it does because it's awesome, but it doesn't matter to me from a standpoint of talent. And I think that this offensive line class is going significantly under the radar. I mean, Bryson Hurst is a guy who's 6'6", 320. You can play him at tackle. You can move him inside to guard at 6'6", 320. And he's going to be someone who develops in a college system. He, he has all the intangibles. He just needs to be refined. Once you can refine this guy, he's going to play like a four or five star kid. Same with Flip Carswell. As you said, I mean, this guy, Philantha Carswell, what a great name, first of all. Second of all, he's been playing football. You said a year, right? I, I, it's like either a year, year and a half, something like that. Yeah, so I his senior season, I believe, was his first full season. Yeah, okay. So that's the one I was on the impression of, too. And that's crazy for someone who's 6'7", 275, and he's still a three-star. Three Imagine if he had played four years of football. Imagine if he had played six years of football. Imagine if he had played since third grade when I first put on pads and, you know, ran out there as a little tyke and my tiny little self, you know, stepped out there as an offensive lineman. Imagine what this guy would be doing if he had had that opportunity to step out there as a little offensive lineman and grow into his six seven two seventy five body. So he's someone who is just raw talent and raw athleticism. And once you put him in a mold and tell him, Hey, this is how we play offensive line at Ole Miss in college, he's going to be very good. I could see him starting as early as his sophomore year, but like more than likely I could see him as a two-year starter on the back end on his way out because he's going to be that good just from a standpoint of he is such a freak athlete. And then you add factor in the fact that he's six, seven, two, seventy-five. And Cam East, I mean this guy too. He's a three-star guy, but I mean he's he's a two-time all district second team all state as a junior led his team to a, a, a St. Augustine team for the people who know about new Orleans football knows that like they're good. They're not crazy good. He brought them to the quarterfinals because they ran the ball behind him a lot. I've watched a lot of tape on Cam East. If you guys don't know anything about me and you're new to this podcast, I'm a big uglies and special teams enthusiast. So you'll find me talking about offensive line, and special teams more often than most people. And Cam East is someone to watch out for who could really come in and make a big impact. Is he as good as Greg Little and Laramie Tunsil? No, those guys were once in a generation talents who have now gone on to do big things in the NFL. I mean, Laramie Tunsil is the best left tackle in the league. But he's going to be very important to this class once they get older. I think if you can take the time to develop him behind Mason Brooks and Nick Broker and and all the guys who are there now, he could be a very valuable asset. So I just wanted to highlight the fact that this offensive line class is not about the stars on paper. It's about guys who show what needs to be shown in terms of size, weight, athleticism, speed. Cam Yeast is a fast dude for 6'7", 280. Once you teach them, hey, this is a college program, hey, this is college football, they'll all be just fine and have a ceiling that is as high as anybody else in this class, if not the last three, four, five classes when it comes to offensive line. So I just wanted to highlight, like, these big uglies are nothing to sleep on. If we're going to talk about sleepers, 
watch out for all three cam east flip carswell bryson hurst yeah and and i want to say um one thing that's i think crucial to point out about flip carswell is uh one he also a basketball player so you know he more than likely has exceptional feet which is something that is absolutely crucial to playing tackle exactly um, but the big thing here is he was offered by Oregon and then he was offered by Miami as well. Both came from Mario Cristobal, who knows offensive linemen. He's one of the most respected, if not the, the top guy when it comes to evaluating offensive line talent. He did it at Alabama as an assistant, and then he did it at, at Oregon as a head coach, and then now he's doing it at Miami. So if he's giving you an offer, despite only playing one full year of football, pretty telling. But again, as we mentioned it earlier in the show, um, Jake Thornton and the staff, they did in-person evaluations on Cushman um, and the rest of the guys. So um, they did their homework and then some when it came to recruiting this offensive line class. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it, it's not on paper. It's not super flashy with all the stars, but again, finding guys that fit what they do in the scheme and finding needs at both guard and tackle. So uh, that's a great point. All right. Um, shout out to everybody at OM Spirit for giving us all of the lovely questions in the bar chat. Keep them coming. Uh, we'll do some more mailbags in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I, that, that's a show right there, Grayson. We, we covered a lot of ground. Um, sure any, any final thoughts before we sign off until next time? No, I just wanted to plug us again. I mean, we're both kind of, at least myself, you know, we're both kind of new to on three because on three itself is new. Find us on Twitter at GSunJW, at Zach underscore Barry. Ask us questions, shoot us your thoughts, shoot us all your ideas. The more that you guys reach out to us and, and, and come to us with questions, topics, concerns, et cetera, the more that we can give you guys what you want. So we'll do mailbags, we'll do things like that. But if you guys come to us and just say, hey, what do you think about X, Y, and Z? We'll talk about it because we want to give you, the people listening at home, the best experience possible. And we're super stoked to have this platform and be able to talk to you guys twice a week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and don't hesitate. If you want us to break down some Jackson Dart TikTok videos, we're game for that too. Um, Always game for some Jackson Dart TikTok videos. All right, that's Grayson. Thanks again, buddy. This was fun. Uh, thanks to you, the listener. Thanks to the sponsors for making the show possible. That's going to do it for the second edition of Not Committed. Again, thanks to Grayson. I'm Zach. Thank you all for listening. We out. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.